Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Kenny show. I'm wicked excited. I'm, I'm a little fired up today. I'm not going to lie. I kind of got some ants in my pants about something, but I'm wicked excited today to talk about this, this episode. Here's what I'm calling this sucker. This one is called let them underestimate you. Let them underestimate you. So I'm going to dive in. I'm going to tell you a few stories. I'm going to tell you uh, a couple of things that I kind of experienced and took away from these situations and these stories. And then as always, you get to decide for yourself. You get to get to um, discover your own takeaways. And if anything in particular lands in your heart, I always want to hear about it. So feel free to shoot me a DM, tag me on social media. I don't know, leave a review, whatever you want to do. Uh, but just send up, send up a sign, send up a flare uh, that you are picking up what I'm putting down. <laughs> and if it, if something that I share from my hat somehow also lands in yours, I'm always happy to hear from you about it. All right, let's, let's start with this. Let me, let me paint the scene. Let me paint the scenario, uh, in the situation. So this had to be, oh, Jesus, how old was I? So I'm in my twenties. Yes, I'm in my twenties. I'm living in California. Um, a bunch of shit was going <laughs> down in my life, uh, which is a story for another day. Um, but I end up, I end up, how do I say this? Working for a company that is owned by or managed by, that's a better way to say it, is managed by this, this, this older gentleman that I knew who was more like, I would say, kind of like a a father figure or, or more like a, let's call it a supportive uncle. That was more like the role that he played this, this guy, David. And he knew that my life was kind of in this in-between place. There was a really big event, um, that I was, uh, working my way through and kind of just surviving. Like I said, I'm like in the memoir, you'll read all about it, but I was in a, in, I was in between jobs and I needed work. So what he used to do, and at the time, what my boyfriend used to do is my boyfriend on Sunday nights would drive me out to San Bernardino, right? From Burbank, California. He would drive me out to San Bernardino. I would live in San Bernardino in a hotel for like a week at a time. And then he would come back on Fridays and pick me up and bring me back home for the weekend, okay? So it was a really incredible thing and a generous thing for David to... Um, give me this opportunity to work for him, to work for his company. And um, I don't even know what my role was to tell you the truth. I, I don't know if I was an office manager, but basically I went into this company and I organized the shit out of everything. Office supplies, 
some of their systems, like how the phone calls went, right? Like what I basically put my uh, touch of the OCD <laughs> to work and I went into this place and I will say this, it was mostly guys, it was mostly men, mostly dudes in suits, like sales people or whatever, you know, they'd come in at, at the end of a long day uh, with a tie, like, you know, half disheveled or whatever. And so there's me, you know, with my Boston accent, looking how I looked back then, uh, young, you know, I was fit, whatever. You kind of get the gist of where I'm going with all that, right? So one of the things that I started to notice was as much as they were in some ways like nice to me, they flirted with me, right? That, that of course, because that's would get a bunch of dudes, older dudes together with a young blonde girl. Um, and I think they, I think they appreciated like what I did, <laughs> I don't know, but there were definitely times the way they treated me in the office was a little bit different than how they treated me when let's say a big boss came in and they were having a meeting. And so they needed me to kind of like, you know, get the coffee ready, get the donuts, whatever the snacks, whatever they were getting preparing. So the way that they talked to me on the floor when it was just one-to-one -one or whatever was a little bit different than how they would treat me sometimes when they all gathered together as a group and everybody wanted to look what I'm trying not to be totally vulgar, but I often say, you know, trying to prove um, who was the biggest man in the room, right? Everybody had to be cool and smart and, you know, sarcastic and powerful or whatever the bullshit that was going on in their heads. And I remember this one particular time, David was coming into town for one of these meetings. And I rode over from like the office to the meeting space with him. And he walked into the, to the meeting space, like the big, the, just imagine it, the executive, like big oval table and everybody's sitting around it. And everybody, again, everybody's trying to be the fucking smartest guy in the room. So I go in, I do what I'm there to do. I set things up. I make sure they have their copies, the handouts, the printouts, whatever they needed to do. Um, and a few things were just kind of said to me. Uh, the way that they treated me, it was more like they treated me uh, as a, almost like a piece of meat or something to um, ogle at or whatever. Let's just say it didn't feel super respectful and um, it, it got exasperating and really, really fucking annoying after a, a certain amount of time. Here's the thing. The meeting ends. I'm just trying to give you the, like the backstory, right? So you can get, get the power of what was said to me. So uh, what's about to be said to me. So after this meeting, I get back on the elevator with David. David was a very kind of like calm and quiet. Just so you can imagine him. He had like red hair and a red mustache. He reminds me of the neighbor on The Simpsons. <laughs> Remember the neighbor on The Simpsons that was really like, um, I want to say his name was Ned, <laughs> but he was just really like kind of sweet and soft-spoken or whatever, right? So, but David's one of like the head bosses, right? So he gets on the elevator first. I get on the elevator second. 
I'll never forget what I was wearing. I was wearing like this, like this little red skirt and this white button down shirt and the red vest, like trying to look all, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know, looking professional, whatever. I had little heels on the whole shebang. If you can imagine this and get on the elevator, I turn around to face the door and my shoulders just slumped down and I just let out the biggest sigh, just like the biggest sigh. Um, because, and it wasn't for show, it wasn't for drama. It was just a, a natural, honest response of how exhausting it can be sometimes to be a woman in the world. Right. And David just simply like, he, he's like, Hey, and I look over and he's smiling and I'm thinking, how can this dude be smiling? I know this person like likes me, loves me, cares about me, whatever. I know he's not blind and deaf. I know he was just in that room and that he heard and saw what I heard and saw. He can't obviously feel exactly what I felt because he's not me, but this is what he says. I look over him and he's smiling. And I was like, what? Like, why are you smiling? And he just, he said these words to me and clearly I've never forgotten them or this moment because I wouldn't be telling you about it now. This is what he said to me. He said, let them underestimate you. And I said, what? And he said, let them underestimate you. And in that moment, it was kind of like, almost like this Rocky moment for me. I know I talk about Rocky a lot. It is a theme. It's a continuing theme in my life because it's, it's the combination of the grit of where he came from, um, the, the, the desire to want to be better, the rise, right? Like the whole thing. And, and the fact that you like, he just kept getting Apollo Creed just kept like beating him down and beating him down and he kept getting up and he kept getting up. So inside, I kind of felt like if there could have been like theme music, if there could have been like, you know, like Rocky theme music that came up into the, the music on the elevator right then. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would have been epic. But anyways, but inside, I just kind of felt like something open up in my heart, in my chest, like in my throat. And what he was trying to say to me is that he saw me, David saw me, he knew who I was, he knew the capacity of my brain, he knew my mind, he knew my worth, he knew my value. Like he's like, you know, and he didn't swear, he wasn't that guy, <laughs> but in my head, like if I had been saying it, it was almost as like he was like, let these motherfuckers, let these fucking clowns Esther underestimate you because we both know exactly like who you are, that type of a thing, right? So that was kind of like my rocky moment. And what I realized is that this kind of thing had been happening to obviously not just me, like people of color, anybody who was considered, you know, different or other or whatever. We have been been feeling underestimated by old white dudes for like a wicked long time, right? So it was a really powerful moment for me and I really took it to heart and I'd never forgotten it. There's a reason why I'm telling you this is that there are just gonna be times when people, people do it to me also. I could tell you so many stories about people who think that I'm stupid because of my accent. People who think that I'm stupid sometimes because of the way that I talk. And it's, it's to my advantage sometimes. I'm like, oh, let these people, they have no idea. They have no idea who I am, 
what I'm capable of, right? And I'm like, that's okay. I don't need every knucklehead in the world to like get it or get me. But let me fast forward to a couple of days ago and why I think it's important that I'm going to preface this, this story with like what David did for me then. Um, and one of the things that I love to do is to cheerlead people, to champion people, to build people up, to see people, to witness people, to bear witness to people, to recognize them and to let them know that I see them. So much of the work that I do is built around this principle of championing um, what is true, what is divine, what is beautiful and brilliant in others. And also a small part of my job as well is to also recognize, I always say the brilliance and the bullshit, right? The, the brilliance and the beautifulness and the blind spots, right? That's part of the job too. But really lifting people up um, is one of the things that just lights me up so much. So scenario number two. Okay. So the other day I go into the post office, uh, I have to mail something. So I'm in line and you know, there's like three people who are working their stations, like post postal work is this is a guy to the left. There is an African-American or a black woman in front of me. Um, and then to the right of her, there is a, a white woman. Okay. I'm next in line. I get called forward. And so I go to the window right in front of me. That's the one that's open. That's the one that she calls forward. And it's the black woman. She has, and I'm just going to kind of describe the scenario because the descriptions in these cases um, are, are important. They, they add um, meaning and texture to the story. Okay. So she's a black woman. She has really long, like plated braids and she's wearing like a bandana kerchief, like how my mom used to wear it back in the seventies. And it looks so cute. She has a beautiful smile and she's lovely. And I walk up to the window and she says, can I help you? And I say, yeah, I need to mail this. I just want to make sure that I know that they got it. And you know, she's being really helpful. Now, while our interaction is going on off to my right, I see this tall, older, like white haired, heavy, white dude with a goatee, with his Tommy Bahama friggin' shirt and his sandals and like whatever happening, the action that's happening over here. And he steps up to the window and he says, you know, can I get um, a couple of books of these such and such stamps? I don't hear what stamps they are. Now, the woman who is waiting on me overhears his question and she politely and innocently says to her coworker, the, the other woman, I think we're out of those. Now, the, the other woman, the white chick, looks at her and says, huh, really? And as soon as she says that, I see the face of the woman who is waiting on me kind of change. And then she kind of just like shrugs her shoulders and puts her hands up like, you know, like if you could see me right now, I'm shrugging my shoulders, I'm putting my hands up like, okay, whatever, you know. Not sarcastic, just like kind of resigning herself to being questioned. The white chick says, well, I'm going to go in the back and uh, see if they're out. And she's going to go check, quote unquote, check. Now, big, big old, big mouth white guy says, um, well, I highly doubt. I highly doubt that they're out because they weren't even supposed to be released until like tomorrow or right. 
I immediately feel my whole body contract. And I'm really like, this is when Vicky with two Ks from Lawrence like steps forward, really steps forward, you know, if we're talking about the different parts of myself. So this part of myself is definitely like the protector. She doesn't want to just protect me though. She kind of wants to protect everybody and everything. And so as soon as I hear this buffoon next to me um, say this, I really start to see what's happening. I see the dynamic at play. I see the power dynamic and I have, I have not been, I, I cannot put myself in this other person's shoes, right? But what I can do is be um, empathetic enough to recognize very clearly what's happening. Oh, I highly doubt that they're out of them, or, 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 right? And I look at this woman's face and I'm just, I just see her again. It's just like this, like, I just want to, I just want to like, Vicky with two Ks just is like, give me the mic, give me the mic. I've got something to say. And I'm just like breathing. I'm doing my breathing. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, shut your, just shut your mouth. Don't make it worse. Like just pause. Right. So all of a sudden the chick comes back from the back looking for the stamps and she's like, huh, we were out of them. And it gets kind of quiet. And that's when, that's when Vicky like just runs forward. <laughs> and all of a sudden I just go like this, like, like loud, loud. Cause I wanted him to hear me. Right. And I go, uh, looks like you were right, huh? So like, it looks like you were right talking to the woman who's waiting on me. And I just kind of look over at the guy and then back at her. And she says to me, the woman who's waiting on me says to me, she's this, she's a beautiful accent. She's so soft-spoken. She's just like so sweet. And she says to me, um, I said, looks like you were right. And she says to me, but nobody ever believes me. And I just felt my hat like, like I just contracted. And she said, and I said, well, I believe you. And she says, but nobody ever listens to me. And I said, I'm listening to you right now. And I said, just so we're clear, I go, just so you and, and I'm kind of like doing this, thing. I go, just so you and I are clear, I see, and I, I kind of like go like this with my hand, like I make this gesture with my hand towards like the guy, I go, I see exactly what's happening here right now. I go, I see exactly what's happening here right now. I said it twice. I go, because this kind of shit has happened to me my whole life. And I lean over, so there's plexiglass between us, right? So I lean off to the left, I lean off to the side and she sees what I'm doing. So she leans over and I say to her, let them underestimate you. And I just see like, her, you know, she just kind of like smirked. And I said, let them underestimate you. And I repeat again, I've been being underestimated my whole life. And I said, they don't know, they don't know you. And she says to me, you know, now we're just starting to have this back and forth exchange. I'm going to try to remember it, it, it to the best of my ability, but this is the gist of it. She said to me, it has taken me a really long time to become me, to be me, to love me, to like myself and um, to stand up for myself. And I said, and she's like, but they don't listen to me. So I just decide to, to, to be quiet. And I said, but here's the thing. I said, your voice matters and the world needs your voice. I don't want you. And I'm saying this to her, I go, I don't want you to be quiet. And I said, because you're smart and you have something to say and you matter. And she said to me, she starts laughing. She's like, can I take you home? 
And I said, if you want to. <laughs> so I reach over the counter and we, we touch hands and we shake hands. And I say, I just want you to know that I see you. And she said to me, you know, God bless you. And I said, I hope you have an amazing day. And she said, I hope you have an amazing day. And it was really just this moment. And it made me so grateful for, for David in that moment, um, for being the wise soul that he was, for being the loving, compassionate soul that he was, for bearing witness to me and reflecting it back to me and not, not letting me just feel crazy about the fact that, you know, these kinds of little um you know, I don't know what, what do we want to call them? These digs, these biases, these, these stupid things that people say, whether they're trying to like stroke their ego or be more important than they are through, through belittling or tearing other people down or questioning them or whatever the deal is. I, I have no idea what goes on in the minds of, of a lot of people, but I could not let that go by on my watch. You know, that's just one of those things. Like I, I always say like, you know, there's this funny meme, this funny meme of like um, a person saying, I don't know if they're standing near a, a cage or a, they're at the zoo or a wild animal. I can't remember the, the visual, but I remember the words and it says, I just know that I'm going to die trying to pet something I shouldn't. <laughs> and it always makes me laugh. And sometimes I just think like, you know, I'm often, uh, there are just going to be times when I'm not gonna be able to keep my big mouth shut. And I often think about my mom and I think about the fact that, you know, you know, her saying no to a man, uh, her saying no to a man, I can only imagine or whatever, quote unquote, whatever she said to a man, but I know at least part of it was no, um, cost her her life. And I, I, even knowing that, even knowing that, I don't know, man, there's just something in me. And I get emotional when I think about this, that, and it's one of the reasons why I'm vegan. It's one of the reasons why I'm vegan is that I just cannot stand by and just participate in the, um, the, the, the brutality and the torture and the rape and the murder and the suffering of other beings, you know? And I certainly don't want to stand around and watch people do it with their words to other human beings. So that was story number two. And I was just so happy and grateful. And I'm back. I kind of went around the block there. But I was just so happy and grateful to David for having done that for me because I think it's one of the things that I love to also do to other people, for other people. Not that they need me, not that I'm a savior, or I'm rescuing anybody or whatever. People can also, they, they can stand up for themselves. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but if you're, I, you know, there's just that saying, like, not on my watch, right? Not in my presence, not in my house, not on my watch. We're not doing that bullshit. We're not doing that whole thing, right? The thing that you think you get away with, with your pals or your people or whatever the thing is, not happening if you're doing it with an earshot of me. You know what I'm saying? This isn't about me being tough or special and aren't I great and a hero, um, it's, it's, I'm not trying to paint that picture. I'm just saying like, I don't think I could, um, stand to be in my own skin. If I didn't, I don't, you know, that old saying, I don't know if I could look myself in the mirror. I don't know. I, I feel like I would le lose a little bit of my own self-integrity. It'd be like, um, you know, death by a, as my sweetie always says to me, death by a thousand paper cuts, you know, but this is leading me to story number 
number three, which is right after the post office, I went to Target. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm in Target and I wanted to try on these shorts. And the shorts actually, funnily enough, were for my sweetie, but I wanted to try them on so we could see the length of them and give me the thumbs up or thumbs no about buying them. So I'm waiting to go into the dressing room. The dressing room is wicked busy. There's an older woman who is like down on the other side, like cleaning out the things because now they wipe down the dressing rooms in between people. So the store's wicked busy. There's another young girl like right at the desk and she's got a huge pile of clothes that she's trying to like re-rack, re-hang, put back because let's, let's be honest, people are kind of slobs, right? Not all people, but a lot of them. So she's trying to do her job and put all these things. And she sees me waiting to come into the dressing room and she's a little frazzled and she's just like, oh, one second, I'll be, and I said, yeah, 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 take your time. I'm not in a rush, whatever, you know? Um, and as this happens right in front of me, coming out of the, uh, one of the, the fitting rooms, and it's one of the larger fitting rooms, comes this chick. Now, if I had to guess her age, I would say she's somewhere in her thirties. She's short. She has like long dark hair, white girl, um, whatever. Her name's probably, I shouldn't do that. I'm not going to be, it's, it's like people calling people Karens. I don't know what her name was. I could have guessed though. Okay. I would, I would have I guessed it was uh, one of these. Um, but here's my point. And her boyfriend, when I look up, I'm not sure if her boyfriend was in the fitting room with her or just waiting outside of it for her. And she walks out and she's like, okay, I'm all set. Let's go. You know, the whole thing. And he's like, do you have everything you need? And she's like, yeah. Now I see the young girl who has to go in to check on the, the, the dressing room before I can go in and then has to wipe it down or whatever. And I can tell just by the look on her face that I know exactly what this girl did. Because one of my first jobs when I was a kid is I worked at Sia's at the Methuen Mall. And people used to leave the dressing rooms a shit show. So I can just tell immediately from her body language, from her um, energy, from the slump of her shoulders that she goes in on the heels of this girl and there's a bunch of stuff still in there. And I guarantee you it's probably not even hung up or back on the hangers or whatever. So she turns around and says to the girl, um, and it wasn't sarcastic it was an honest and transparent question. Maybe there was a, maybe there was an undertone of like, it wasn't in the tone of her voice, but the energy, I, I think she was feeling a little exasperated. And she basically just said to her, so do you have everything? And she's like, yep, all set, everything I'm keeping. And she walks away and I'm thinking, like, if you could see me right now, I'm just like putting my fingers on my eyebrows and just like in exasperation, just like hands on my face, like, oh my God. Here's the thing, couple of things. Well, let me finish the story and then I'll go into the lesson for me. So the girl is just, yeah, I can just tell she's just like, oh my God. Cause now she's got to clean up after this girl. Like she's some sort of a servant, right? The woman down the hall, one of the, the places opens up, one of the other rooms opens up. The woman goes in, she had wiped it down and she sees me and she's like, okay, sweetheart, you can come down here. And the girl comes down um, behind me because I, I guess it seems like they, they're playing dual roles. One's cleaning and one's picking up the clothes, right? She goes in and she looks inside and she's like, oh, okay, there's nothing in here. And she's like, you're all set. And I just want to acknowledge her, right? So I say to her, hey, and she looks up, I go, 
I thought you were supposed to take the shit out of the room that you don't want and put it on the desk. And she makes this face where she kind of smirks and does what I call kind of like a slow blink. <laughs> I do this thing called the slow blink. So I recognize it in other people. And she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she kind of like nods her head. And so I'm just like, oh, people, huh? And she's like, yeah. And like, she goes back to the desk. So we have this little interaction. And again, I'm just trying to communicate. I see you. I hear you. I feel you. And in my own way, energetically from my hat, I'm sorry you have to put up with this shit, right? So I go back, I try on the shorts, do the whole thing. I go back out and as I'm leaving, she's like, are you all set? And I said, yep, yeah, because I rehang everything. That I'm going to continue with that in a minute. I hand her back the clothes that I don't want. Um, and I'm like, do you want me to put these back? Because uh, I know exactly where they go. I'm like, do you want me to put these back out here? Um, and she's like, no, 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 that's okay. And she's like, thank you so much. You can just hear it in her voice. She's like, thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. I'm like, I hope you have a great day too. And I just want to like turn around, but I'm like, it's not my job to apologize. I haven't done anything, but sometimes I feel like I need to apologize on the behalf of my fellow, my fellow brothers and sisters for being knuckleheads. Here's my point. There are just some people in the world who act incredibly entitled, like other people's job. Like, here's the thing. I'm the kind of person who cleans up after myself, even when I'm staying in a hotel. It's not because I'm neurotic. I mean, some people might say that. It's not because whatever. It's, it's because you know why? Because I used to work in the hotel industry. I used to be a concierge, but I had a lot of friends who worked in housekeeping. And I used to talk to them sometimes as they were like, you know, doing their job. I'd be coming down the hall. I'd stick my head in the room. Hey, what's going on? I would see how, how filthy and disgusting human beings could be in the way, the state of the rooms that they would leave them in because they have this mentality of this is somebody else's job. So I can leave it a total shit show mess if I want to. Now I get it. Some people feel like this is their job. I should be able to just relax. I don't have to clean up after myself but you don't have to leave it disgusting either. You don't have to make other people's jobs harder. It would take you maybe an extra minute or two in that dressing room to put the things back on the hanger the right way, to zip it up, right? To not leave it crooked or not on the floor or not on the chair or the bench. It's like this, this thing where some people, and, and I often think like, did your parents just follow around behind you, picking your shit up off the floor? Did nobody ever teach you any self-respect? Did nobody ever teach you respect for like other people? And I know maybe it sounds like I'm being a little harsh, but you guys, there's this thing that's kind of happening in the world where it's really easy when there's a lot of division and a lot of us versus them and a lot of um, what we're all kind of feeling right now in the world, this sense of separation, right? From each other, political parties, like uh, choices that are being made that aren't really people taking away choices, all these things, right? Um, that we can really not only be feel separated from each other, but we sometimes start to get separated from our true or higher selves. If we are not doing personal development and spiritual transformational work.
if we are not doing the spiritual work, if we are not self-assessing, if we are not paying attention, if we are not looking within and looking without at how we're showing up and how we're talking to people and how we're treating people, at the end of this show, I always say pretty much the same thing. Wherever you go, may you leave the people, the place, the animals, the environment, and yourself better than how you found it. So if you show up into an environment, a store, a place, uh, your place of employment, a, sh- a concert, like whatever, wherever you go, there you are. And wherever you are taking your ass in the world, when you show up there, ask yourself, will the people be happier for me having been here? Will they be better off for me having been here? What am I bringing to the table? <laughs> what, what is the mock? that I am going to leave? What is the energetic imprint that my being here is bringing? With my thoughts, my words, my actions, my energy, what comes out of my mouth, what I post on social media, who and how am I being? And does it reflect who I truly am? I'm not kidding when I say we should be thinking of these things all the time. We are not always going to get it right. We are not going to get it perfect. Perfect is a myth, doesn't exist. But, and, and we're sometimes just going to be really clumsy. It comes with the territory. We are spiritual beings having a very human experience. And sometimes, unfortunately, we misspeak. We aren't aware. We say stupid things. Um, We are quote unquote, we trespass, right? We are clumsy. But man, let me tell you this. When you take the time to make your spiritual work a priority, when you take the time to make your your personal development, which to me, mind, call it whatever you want to call it, personal development, mindset, transformational work. To me, it's all spiritual work. If you're not making that a priority in your life, then I'm like, I don't even know at this day and age, right? It's, it's not about quote unquote, fixing you or um, it's not always even about like, got to get better. (laughs) It's about remembering who you truly are and trying to shine that light of love of who you truly are through you, around you, in your path, in front, behind, left and right, above, below. Like when you come into contact with other human beings, it is an opportunity for like a quote unquote, holy instant is an opportunity for love to be present. And here's the thing, when you are not self-representing at a high level, this isn't about the clothes you wear, how fancy you are, how fancy you talk. I'm not talking about, all of this is I'm talking about like energetics from your heart that come through your words, energetics of your mind that also come through your words, your hands, your actions. This is about like the journey I always say from your head to your hat out through your hands and into the world. Because what I'm, I'm seeing all the time. And again, I'm not saying I'm perfect, not saying I don't sometimes screw it up, but for the love of Jesus Christ on a cracker, I hope that I am self-aware enough to recognize when I have misspoken, if I have been um, impatient or unkind or worded something in a way that that could be, you know, that, that was taken the wrong way. Here's the other thing. Um, hopefully we have people in our lives who, if we are clumsy, 
and we are unaware because maybe we're distracted or we're going through our own thing or whatever, maybe they'll bring it to our attention so that we can make amends and we can apologize. Hopefully we have people around us who will, um, how do I say this, truly see us um, and recognize and say something like, hmm, that was really unlike them. Maybe they're having a tough day. Maybe I should check in or maybe I should let them know that that hurt my feelings or whatever the thing is, right? But sometimes we're going to be out in the world and we're going to see people treating another person or persons or group of people or animals in a way that is totally fucking uncool. And it might even just be so like just slightly passive aggressive. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying go out and start a bunch of fights with strangers. But if you have a voice, use it for people and animals and children who might be in situations where they're voiceless. If you have a little more power, you should be using that power to be more merciful, not to rob, steal, pillage, uh, talk down to, embarrass, humiliate, um, subjugate, steal from people, all that stuff, right? And this sound, these, these words might sound extreme given the three examples that I gave you, but you guys, there is a quality there's a quality to these stories that I'm telling you. There's a common thread that is running through them. And one of them is it's important sometimes. This is the, what I'm trying to say is there are going to be times where other people are going to underestimate you. They're going to devalue you in their own minds. And they might even speak to you in a particular way or try and treat you a particular way. But don't let them, let them underestimate you but don't come down to their level. Don't, don't please do not start to see yourself through the lens of their stupidity and ignorance and false superiority. When one of the things I always love to do is, you know, there are people who like to do a lot of talking and God knows I love to talk, but what I'm saying is, you know, they like to, um, how do I say this? There's a, they, they like to do like a lot of buildup and a lot of big thing and talk about what they're doing. And I kind of like to, to do the thing and then tell people or to get it organized behind the scenes and then when it's ready to let people know. There's that old saying, right? I hope I don't butcher this from the 70s, but it probably comes from even earlier than that. But that's, that's when I remember first hearing it as a kid. Walk softly, but carry a big stick. Walk softly, but carry a big stick. And... Uh, my meditation teacher, Ashwaran, says something like, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but it's along the line of, and there's a whole much longer story to it, but he kind of says, um, you don't have to bite. You know, he's talking about like a snake. There's a whole story, a parable about this snake. And he says, you don't have to bite, but sometimes you have to, you have to hiss. So look, there is a superpower, a secret power sometimes in letting people underestimate you. Because then when you come out swinging, when you come out of the gate, and when you come out and just shine your brilliant light, let it knock them on their ass. Let it surprise them. Let them be like, oh, I didn't even know. I didn't know who you were. You know, and I've seen this time and time again. When I, would, uh, when I lived in Los Angeles, at one point, I worked in this real estate office. Uh, and again, organizing everything like front desk, I don't know, however I helped out. And these people at this, at this office in Burbank, like right next to all the major studios and stuff like this, these people had properties. They were like, I don't need obscene hot, like two, 10 million, 15 million, like really million dollar properties of these agents in this place. Um, and 
they used to like the people who would come in to buy these million dollar homes. And especially in LA, you would think like, oh, these people wore the flashiest stuff, like whatever. And I'll never forget one time this guy coming in and he had on jeans, you know, like if a guy like, I don't know, had a farm and he had a tractor and he was out working in the field all day. So he's got on like his boots and then his jeans and his jeans look worn. And maybe they have a little grease on the front of the thighs and just like a t-shirt and like, you know, on and like a ball cap or like the most unassuming, the most unassuming dude in the world. And I remember him coming in and talking to the agent. She was a little spitfire. She was a little powerhouse. And I remember him leaving and me just kind of watching him walk out. And she saw like the look on my face, you know, I was kind of like smiling because I appreciated his down to earthness. And she said to me, just looks can be deceiving, huh? And I was like, what? She goes, that guy is a billionaire. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah. And he drives this old beat up truck. And she's like, nobody would never even know. And I just thought in my mind again, let them underestimate you. You have your own superpowers. You have your own secret powers. You have your own brilliance and light and love. And just because other people don't see it or they're threatened by it or they're insecure by it or they're afraid of it or they don't want to acknowledge it because they're afraid that if they give you too much airtime, if they give you the mic, if they give you the power that they're going to be out, whatever the scenario is, right? Um, you don't have to think anything less than yourself. Just think of that scene in Rocky when Apollo thought that he had won the fight and he had knocked Rocky on his ass. And he, you can just, just go find that scene online, Google that shit, YouTube it. And you'll see that scene where Rocky is down for the count and Apollo turns around. I think he might've even lifted his arms and he thinks I won this thing. And Rocky gets back up and Apollo turns around and you just see the look on his face. And he's just like, oh my God, why won't this guy just stay down? Because <coughs> everybody underestimated the rock. Everybody underestimated the champ. Uh, so look at, we all have a little Rocky in us, but here's the deal. I see you. I hear you. I celebrate you. I'm cheering you on. I'm in your corner. So if nobody else has told you today, right, just know that you've at least got me. You've got one person who is celebrating you. And here's the thing. Let those motherfuckers underestimate you because we both know exactly who you are and to whom you belong and how powerful and brilliant you really are. All right. So that's my love note from my hat to your hat, you guys. So thank you so much for listening. Um, I also have, uh, I'll be, I don't know, I'll be talking about it in the next couple of weeks too, how I'm going to be offering, um, I'm putting together, I'm just letting you know, because now's the time. It's been kind of, I've been talking about it for eight months, dreaming on it for eight months, thinking about it, but there's a new thing that I'm putting together that I'm really excited about. And so I'll be, I'll be announcing that soon. And if you want to know what I'm up to, if you want to get on my list so that you are the first to know about my shenanigans, my events, whatever I, whatever I got going on, uh, ways to work with me, whatever. You can just go to karenkenny.com slash sign up and you will get on my list to find out. Um, I don't know, you guys. I hope this episode was helpful in some way. I hope it landed in your heart in some way. I hope that there's something that you can 
uh, take away from this. Um, and just as always, wherever you go, may you leave the people, the place, the animals, the environment, and yourself better than how you first found them. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.